connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too, realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic-Con 2017 and beyond. I am Ryan. With me today is Brad and Zach. Every week, the Real Nerds Podcast goes see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. This week, we saw the girl on the train. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast where we will review the movie and spoil it for you. Uh, We also talk about movies we watch during the week, movie news, movies that are coming out on Blu-ray and... All kinds of assorted jazz about movies. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) When you're wondering what to do around town, there's one guy we turn to on this podcast. Who is that? I don't know. Zach, what (laughs) is... Brad, what's happening around town? Uh, this week, if you go to the drive-in, they have changed up their lineup. It is now Storks, The Magnificent Seven, and Don't Breathe. Hmm. Well, that's kind of unusual. Well, yeah. So they show Storks first, I guess, and then the middle movie is for the tweens, and then you got the adults for the R-rated one. Yep. It was Sully in the middle last week, and they switched out for Magnificent Seven, so... That's not really y- for tweens. J- <laughs> so I went and saw Sully this week, mm-hmm. and I saw it at like 1045 on... Monday? Sunday? I don't know, whatever day I, Laura fell asleep and was going to watch a movie with me, and I was like, whatever, I'll go see Sully. I was the only one in the theater. Oh, Yeah. Poor Clint. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Well, it's like the best performing movie of September in a long, long time, so I think Clint's I know, fine. I know, that's kind of weird, though. Like, I was actually shocked. Yeah, but I wanted you. it to last for weeks. <laughs> I know, for a movie where, like, you already know how it's going to turn out, you're just, like, watching... To see how they portray that it turned mm-hmm. out, um, did pretty well. Um, and then, sorry, I'm like trying to get the uh, Esquire stuff to load, but my connection is not great, so I'm just going to stall and stall <laughs> um, because this week is not Paranorman anymore. Come on. <laughs> Should I try to sing while we're... No, Paranorman's a great movie. Yeah. That's actually, since it's Saturday, it's tonight. But by the time you hear this, it'll be next Friday and Saturday. And it's probably something horror-related because we're in October. And the Esquire has programmed many horror-themed... The Thing! Nice. <laughs> the Thing is what's playing... John Carpenter's The Thing. The, 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 the second thing. Yeah. Not the new thing or the old thing. <laughs> well, because if it was the old thing, it'd be the thing from outer space. So. Oh. But, okay, I thought it was the same title. Ha- uh, mm. Howard Hawks's oh, The Thing right. From Outer Space. Okay. <laughs> nope, John Carpenter is the thing with Kurt Russell and no CGI. So. Nice. Um, yeah, that's it for this week. That's all the cool stuff you can do movie-wise. 
And there's, of course, the bugs doing the Night of the Living Dead stage performance. So you can go check that out at the Bug Theater. Speaking of which, what's playing at the Alamo this week? Hello. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith. Hi, I'm Leonard Malton. Hi, I'm Mark Hamill. Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. This is Seth Rogen. I'm Chris Vermin's boss. I'm Martin Starr. Welcome to the Alamo Draft Night. Uh, on Monday, the 10th. Oh, because they're both theaters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Halloween 3 is playing. Right on. <laughs> How many more days till Halloween? Three more days to Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. Silver Shamrock. <laughs> also, Night of Living Dead is playing with a live performance of some scenes by the people from the Bug Theater. Nice. Um, yeah, so you can go see it. They're also showing the Greasy Strangler, which I've heard very unusual things about. I know. I'm curious, but I'm also like, don't want to spend money on it. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Um, on Monday, they're showing Shin Godzilla. Which, we got a, a screener sent to us for that. Um, we should watch it. <laughs> Did we? Yeah, in our, our EPK. They sent us the whole movie. So oh, yeah, we'll have to watch it. I, I scrubbed a little bit of it. It doesn't seem very action-y. Yeah? Yeah, like I clicked through like five or six spots, and it was just Japanese people arguing with each other. I had to like dig for the Godzilla parts. Also, there's the exorcism of Emily Rose, dinner party. Uh, part one is the Unholy Communion, which is spinach artichoke chip, with, paired with a Tangeray martini. Um, Do you Tangeray? Sorry. <laughs> Tangeray. <laughs> They're not sponsors. <laughs> uh, th- the second is smoked lamb stew. Man, I should go to this. And then dessert is six-layer white cake. Man, I should go see that. Cause, uh, white it, cake? That seems exclusive. Uh, it is uh, by my homeboy, Scott Derrickson. He's going to be there? I wish, no. As I say, he's really busy with, I don't know, <laughs> some Marvel movie coming out like in a month. Uh, Black Panther. <laughs> on Wednesday, they have Wolfen with Stephen Graham Jones. Wolfen's a really unusual werewolf movie. Um, it's like New York City, takes place in the 70s. Uh, Video Vortex is homemade horror holorama. Which I saw things for it today. I'm like, I don't know if I would see that stuff. But hey, some people like that trashy stuff, right? Oh, shit. Was Blood Diner tonight? Yes. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got it on Blu-ray if you want to borrow it. Yeah. Um, Handsome Little Devils is presenting What We Do in the Shadows. Still need to see that. You've never seen What We Do in the Shadows? Nope. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a failure. You are. Get I'll, out. I'll go home. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> Go stand outside. <laughs> we'll call you when we're ready to let you back in. And then on a Saturday is the Nightmare on Elm Street marathon, which I think uh, Zach will be there. I will be there if you want to come and throw things at me for not watching what we do in the shadows. <laughs> and that's what's playing at the Alamo. You thinking I forgot a segment? I didn't forget one. I, I, I thought we missed Henry, but Henry didn't write anything in, nope. so fuck him. <laughs> well, he's doing, he's doing the New York <laughs> Film Festival or something right now. So. Yeah, he did post an article on um, American Honey. Yeah, so go and check that out. Actually, you know, he probably thinks we're recording on Sunday, so we're going to get that thing tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I'll splice it in if it... Yeah, you can splice it in. I love old house movies. You can call me Mr. Asshole. Hey, Real Nerds, it's Henry. Just giving you an update on Art House Asshole. Uh, this week's review is on American Honey, which is a fantastic new release uh, from Andrea Arnold, uh, one of my favorite female directors currently working today. Uh, it is a very disturbing film. Well, I don't know if it's disturbing in like an antichrist kind of way, but it's is 
it's a film about millennials that, if you've seen other Andre Arnold films, it's very similar to those kinds of films, and it, it's not a pleasant film to watch for some. Uh, I had an absolute blast watching it. It's my second favorite film of the year so far. It's beautifully shot. It's beautifully acted. Shia LaBeouf is amazing in the film. Really, everyone's amazing in the film. I can't remember the name of the female antagonist name right now, but, but uh, she's also fantastic in the film. Uh, it's definitely one of my favorite films of the year. That being said, I don't think any of the real nerds are going to like it. It's a very divisive film that I think the younger you are, the more you're going to like it. And the older you are, the less you're going to like it, and the more you're going to hate it, actually. So if you're going to watch this film and you're in your 30s or higher, I say watch it at your own risk. Uh, if you're in your 20s, I think you'll, you'll relate to it in ways you don't want to. And uh, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, this week's Art House Asshole. As a heads up, the next three weeks are all going to be films that don't come out for a while in theaters. I'm seeing them at New York Film Festival, and I looked them up, and they all come out on the same date, actually, and that's, November, that's December 25th. So they're not going to come out until then, but you can still read the reviews now to get a heads up on if you want to see them then, and because these films will probably end up being pretty big Oscar contenders. So yeah, uh, hope you guys like the review, and uh, I hope the real nerds enjoy whatever film they're watching this week. Bye. Cool. What did you do this week, Zach? What did I do this week? Yeah. I think I watched movies. Cool. Well, I was actually seeing what you're doing in your life, but fine. Fuck. Oh, I, I guess we can. I, I guess a, I got I a new things. job. <laughs> What'd you do this week, Brad? Actually, I can't remember. Um, I'm sure I, I I made some logos for nice companies, and they liked them. So hey, that's half the battle. It's about sending invoices now. Nice. Get paid. Get paid. Speaking of getting paid, I did get a job this week. Hey. Nice. Yeah, I am now Good. the new pricer at the Arc Thrift Store. And uh, today, I was, as I was telling you guys before the show, some guy brought in an ottoman that was filled with unopened Blu-rays. So they're stolen? <laughs> I didn't check to see if it, they still have the... if his mat, ski mask and his gloves were in there. But mm. uh, what I did find was like the usual suspect, Sons of Anarchy, seasons like two and three. So Nice. Yeah, man. I, I haven't seen the usual suspects a long time. That's a good movie. Yeah. I just saw a parody of that. What did I see a parody of that in? Oh, it was uh, Tosh.0. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do this week? Me? I just worked. Oh. No, I don't do anything exciting. No cool work stories? Um, I, this lady was really drunk and tried to tell me that she knows a chief of police and I shouldn't arrest her, but... Wow. That's some above the law shit. Guess what I did? <laughs> Cuffed her. I took did. her in. I Sweet. Did. She she blew a point to something, so like three times legal limit. Did don't she treat... apologize when she sobered up? Uh, I don't know. She's like, I'm I, so I, sorry. I was, I was probably drunk. not. Probably complained. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Better I do know your the family. chief of police, yeah. but I don't think it would matter. <laughs> don't uh, don't drink and drive, guys. Don't drink and drive. It's bad news. Drink. Don't drive. Drink. Don't <laughs> drive. That's right. As we learned from last week. That's right. Um, yeah, that's all I did. I didn't do anything cool. Cool. I, I did get Paper Mario, uh, Color Jam or Color Splash, the new one that I haven't had a chance to play yet. I'm really excited. I love, I don't know if you guys ever played the, I love the Paper Mario games. Mm -hmm. I think they're The genius. N64 one was awesome when I, I was younger. I know, I downloaded that on my, um, Wii U and I played it just a couple months ago. And yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's a little different. It's kind of like a card battle game mixed in with the normal Paper Mario hijinks. And that's what I do like about the series, too, is they always do something new. They kind of tweak the gameplay a lot. 
Um, just enough. It's still always Paper Mario, but they tweak it enough to keep it interesting, so I'm excited. They got Tomb Raider coming out on Tuesday. Man, I have a lot of games coming. Speaking of Nintendo, did you see that, uh, you know how they're bringing out the little mini NES mm-hmm. next month? Well, they're doing a mini Famicom for Japan. Oh, I did see that. It's pretty yeah. awesome. So, if you're I think it's a hell to... of a deal. I told my wife I want it for Christmas. It is if you don't have those games already. <laughs> it is, but like, what the thing was cool, so it, it's an HDMI output, so... Oh, the, that's right. So the graphics, they actually They'll look a little cleaner, yeah. Yeah. But they have three... I, I was reading they have three settings. They have one setting where it looks like it's played from a cartridge, another one that has the 4x3 TV setting, and then they have the updated ones with HDMI. And That's pretty cool. So is it like a Roku? Or No, a... no, it's like... It's basically an emulator that's des- designed like the old NES. Like oh, they've had okay. third-party cartridge uh, emulators mm. for years now, but this one's the first official Nintendo one. Oh, okay. So the little square controller is the same. It's just the little boxes... Like about the size of your palm. Yeah. Wow. And it's so. like the design's cool. The extra controller comes in the old like controller boxes. I, I you know, it's one of the complaints people are saying it's still wired. But I, I actually don't think it's a complaint. I think they're just going for like to keep it, you know, part of the nostalgia. You know, yeah. to keep it wired and and keep costs down. Yeah, but yeah, it's sixty bucks and you get thirty games. Like, come on, it's two bucks a game. Mm-hmm. That's a steal. So, yeah, I asked Laura for it for Christmas, so hopefully I'll get it. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of getting things. Yeah. What's uh, coming out on Blu-ray this week? Wow, you're doing segues? <laughs> Good job, Brad. I, I'm learning. You are. You, you've learned it. It only took 270 episodes, but I'm getting there. <laughs> DVD releases and Blu-rays. Uh, Ghostbusters, Answer the Call is coming out. Hmm. Mm. Uh, so I guess that's just like the new live, die, repeat, edge of tomorrow. Answer the call is part oh. of the <laughs> the title now. Well, I uh, I pre-ordered the uh, the Best Buy Steelbook, which has like custom art, and it doesn't have Answer the Call on it. So oh, nice. I think it's just a whenever they feel like putting that title on there. They... You know, the thing I've noticed is the Best Buy Steelbooks have been pretty awesome lately. Mm-hmm. Like the because I I mean I got Apocalypse because I thought that one was badass. Yeah. Um, but they re-released like all the X-Men too, and those ones look great too. Yeah, I got the Days of Future Past. Is, it, is that the uh, uh, Sentinel one? Sentinel one, yeah. Yeah, that one's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I was surprised because the pictures for Apocalypse like made it seem like it was a white, blue on white case. Mm-hmm. It's actually more silver. Yeah, and it, did you get it? Yeah, it's like uh, kind of like stitched. It's kind of yeah, it has like a texture to it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's awesome. It's like the, uh, the the Civil War one too is kind of three D. Uh, the oh, yeah. mask and the shield are raised. So yeah. yeah, it's it's cool. They do some awesome stuff. I always check. That's why. Um, uh, I mean, they announced Suicide Squad. I'm kind of interested to see what kind of. Um, oh, their steel book. They did the uh, the cloud, like the, the Snapchat filtery cloud looking mm-hmm. thing. Um, I was hoping for the like the X eyes and then yeah. the print thing because that was the hmm. that was the uh, preliminary artwork. Yeah. But I might still get it. It's it's weird they made like instead of green, it's like a gray background. Oh yeah, I have seen that actually. Yeah, I don't know. So maybe I'll just get the uh, Amazon exclusive Harley Quinn one. That's pretty cool. I'm just looking for yeah. the version of that movie that has a version of the movie that I like. Well, you might get it. They have an extended cut coming out. They just announced. Yep. Ooh. 14 minutes of yeah deleted scenes. Which hopefully it just makes it more cohesive. I mean, that's more of real news, but you know it's cool. Um, Tarzan is coming out. The Legend of Tarzan. Um, which James said wasn't too bad, but Brad, you said it was so boring you don't remember it. 
Uh, yeah, it just wasn't. I it wasn't exciting to me. It's not bad. Like uh, the actors in it are, are good, but it's I I just don't feel like there's much to work with. It seems like a movie I'll wait till it's like on Netflix or something. Yeah. Um, Ice Age Five is coming out. Uh, the one I actually I do have pre-ordered that will be coming is Scream <laughs> Factory's collector's edition of The Thing. Mm. Yes. It was actually delayed um, a couple weeks because they had um, the original run of it. When they were doing the tests, they found like an issue with uh, the video. Like would not, it is some video issue, so they delayed it like a couple weeks to fix it. Um, you can get the complete series of Miami Vice on Blu-ray. Which I think was announced last week, but there was a whole list of things that, that got mislabeled, so they're actually coming out this week, and that's one of them. Um, also from Scream Factory is the 40th anniversary of Carrie. Nice. Um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, which I think that's the first time it's been on Blu-ray. Yeah. I, I remember correctly. Uh, in America, I think. Um, yep. The Hills Have Eyes from Arrow. Also, Dark Water from Arrow, which is the Japanese version, not the American remake. I'm pretty sure this is like the 18th version of It's a Wonderful Life coming out. <laughs> you get on 4K the uh, uh, the Da Vinci Code 2 movies. Oh, the Robert Langdon series, yes. Which I feel like I should watch again because I, I like Tom Hanks so much. Inferno but looks good. But really, I think Inferno looks really cheesy. It is cheesy, but that's kind of like, the point. <laughs> it doesn't look like a Ron Howard film. Oh, I like them. They're fun. To me. Uh, Mel Gibson's Bloodfather comes out. I've been hearing good things about that one. Between that and Hacksaw Ridge, it looks like Mel's making a comeback. And right now I'm just scrolling down to see if there's anything goofy at the bottom. You guys are more than welcome to talk. I am actually looked up the list, too, just in case. I feel like there's something... I wanted to talk about... Welcome I to Zach's think. mini-podcast, where I just listen to Ryan and Brad scroll through their phones. It's really quite interesting. Yeah, just to describe the actual actions of, like... The way up. Brad's thumb moves up and down, up and down. Okay, it's... gross. <laughs> uh, Astro Zombies on Blu-ray, which I heard is one of the worst movies of all time. Uh, Boyhood from Criterion. Yay! Uh, the Lord of the Rings Hobbit seven hundred dollar thing comes out. I think James said it came out last week, but yeah, this week that's another one that got pushed. Again, like that shelf is not intricately. <laughs> no, it's like three pieces of wood. Well, did you hear what Peter Jackson said about it? No, is he wanted to produce like an ultimate, ultimate like oh, and disc then one of told him no. Yeah, they told him no. So he even Peter Jackson's like, mm, don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's Blu-rays for this week. Yep. All right. Uh, movie news is happening next. It's real news. Actually, not too much going on. A lot of uh, trailers have been dropped because oh my gosh. New York Comic Con is happening. Um, the Power Rangers trailer came out. It looks awful. <laughs> it literally looks... It's Breakfast Club yeah. Power Rangers, really. It is, but Everyone it's... has the same... Yeah, but it seems—is it supposed to be big budget, right? Yeah, because it doesn't feel big budget to me. It seems really cheaply made. Well, because they left out all the Megazord stuff, which I, I hope are in the movie. <laughs> no, no, I get it, but it's still, I, 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 it still—it looks like the Fantastic Four. Exactly, I got the same Breakfast vibe. Club. It's like Fantastic Four is what I got. From yeah, it. and one, I'm not a fan of 
Power Rangers anyways, and I never got why it was popular because I think it's stupid. Um, Part so, of the uh, appeal of it was that it was fun, and this doesn't look fun. <laughs> yeah. Like Angel Grove looked like dour and yeah, that's twilighty. I mean. <laughs> it's so dark. It seems like it's, yeah, twilighty. Uh, so, yeah, I wasn't impressed with that. The, they're not even in California. It's like, it looks like upstate Washington. <laughs> yeah. Or Portland or something. Yeah. Um, they, it wasn't a trailer, but they released some footage from Justice League. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Um, so, you know, actually the thing I thought was cool is it was they showed uh, Jason Momoa, like, actually getting pounded with water when you think it would just totally be CG. Right. Like, oh, all right. Guess we're doing something a little different. I did feel they tried a little too hard to make it fun. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, we get it, guys. You wanted to not make it so dour. <laughs> like Batman, <laughs> Superman, I get it. Well, yeah. On the one hand, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't supposed to be a video for us. It was supposed to be a video for the crew. But yeah. at the same time, like that could be a marketing marketing ploy. Like, oh, yeah, like we'll share this with you, too. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I, I mean... It looks fun. It looks and fun. Good. And... It, it's a step in the right direction. That's all I want. I, I just want it. Yeah, I just want it to be cool. I don't really care. You know, yeah. I'm I, I'm obviously a Marvel guy, but at the same time, I I want cool comic book movies. I I do. Mm. So I, I hope it works out. Um, There's also that shot of uh, you know everyone's nitpicking Batman with the the goggles, looks like mm-hmm. Night Owl and everything, but he's like holding a flare, so it's clearly like a thing for that scene. Yeah. It's not like his costume for the whole movie. Didn't they call it the tactical suit or yeah. something like that? So yeah, that works well, out. Yeah, it's temporary. It's temporary. Yeah, like it's for... You know, I, I mentioned this to you a few weeks ago. I don't know why people get so up in arms about Batman and stuff. Well, everything. Yeah. Everything nerd-related. It's just... it's. I mean, that stuff's silly. Yeah. Because if you actually read Batman comics, I'm pretty sure he has different variations of his costume all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, and he, even in uh, The Dark Knight, he has those goggles. <laughs> he's a version of them when he's going to find the Joker, and they're in like the yeah, thing. Like the sonar glasses. Yeah, sonar glasses. Basically the same thing. Yep. Um, they're just uh, inside instead of outside, is Kyle. Yeah. Uh, some footage for War for the Planet of the Apes, <laughs> which I, I really like that series, um, so I'm excited to see where they go from that. Wasn't so much. Well, wait. Or, or, so they released new footage yeah. on top of the teaser that they released. Well, the, the one teaser where it's just Caesar. Caesar talking and he like goes away in ash. Yeah. There's a couple like little scenes they showed. Um, oh, okay. I need to watch that. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's my real house right. Yeah. Now. No. I I think the Planet of the Apes movies are really good. The new ones. Yeah. I think they've actually been on both of my top ten lists when they've come out. Um, they're making a new Spider-Man cartoon, which um. <laughs> I am excited about because I think Ultimate Spider-Man's garbage. <laughs> so, um, which is really bummer because Paul Dini is part of Ultimate Spider-Man. But to me, the Ultimate Spider-Man was like, oh, it's a kid's show. Which is fine. I understand most cartoons are. But they tried too hard to make it a kid's show where Spidey always breaks the fourth wall. And they try to make it funny. And there's, I'll never forget, I would always try to watch it when it's, it's say, oh, the Green Goblin. I'm like, cool, I'll watch the Green Goblin. And so when I click it on and Spider-Man's riding a motorcycle, I don't even watch the rest of it. <laughs> That's your deal, Bruce. Well, why would he need a motorcycle? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> to sell toys. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like the question of why did Spider-Man need a Spider-Mobile in one of the issues of the comic books? Yeah, well... That, well, that was... Actually, that was a plot. There was that, a plot to that. Yeah, yeah there was a plot. There device. was a plot to that. You gotta hold it up. Yeah. There you go. There you go. It's not going to catch you over here. It's going to catch you right here. Uh, Other than that, not too much. Uh, I I do want to 
point out there's a really cool limited edition um, from Arrow. They also make specialty Blu-rays in the vein of kind of Scream Factory. It's uh, the Hellraiser, the Scarlet Box, <laughs> like limited to like 2,000 pieces, and it's really cool. It's like a velvet like uh, Blu-ray case. It comes with a 200-page book. And it's uh, the first three movies and a couple bonus discs, and each movie has tons of features. Um, so that'll be kind of fun. It's just a random collection of their movies? Uh, no, so it's Hellraiser 1, Hellraiser 2. Oh, Hellraiser. 2. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so it should be fun. Um, we, we touched on the Suicide Squad extended cut, which now it kind of feels like DC does the extended cuts because they want people to go to the theater and buy the Blu-rays. Um, <laughs> I am interested because I was reading, what article was I reading? Maybe it was on Digital Bits, where the people that cut the movie that you see in the theaters were the people who cut the trailer. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm interested to see what they cut out. Yeah. Um, because 13 minutes is a lot in a movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it can change. I, I always point to, I know it's silly, but Friday the 13th, the remake... They cut out maybe like six minutes of it, and it was edited differently. And when you watch the killer cut opposed to the theatrical cut, it's a way different movie. So I'm just interested to see how it plays out. Um, it's shame because it's already it's rated R no matter what. It's like obviously they're cutting for time. Yeah. Or they thought the story was helped by it, but yeah. So we'll hmm. see. Um, yeah, Suicide Squad. Um, I don't think it's going to be a vast improvement, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'll get it, obviously, because um, I'm a sucker for comic book movies. And yeah. I still think there's, there's fun to be had in Suicide Squad. I just hope that maybe if more story, it kind of helps the pacing of the film. Yeah. Because um, I even actually had the same issue with Ghostbusters, where there'd be random parts where, like, when Kristen Wiig stopped being a Ghostbuster, and all of a sudden she came back, like, wait a minute, is there a whole plot that was cut out of this movie? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll see. So yeah, that's about it for movies and news. There's not too much going on. A lot of just announcements at New York Comic Con. Yep, which we'll probably get more of by Monday. Yeah, because so. well, because it's oh, it's probably over by now. I was looking, I didn't see anything today. Uh, maybe tomorrow they'll have some more stuff going on. There, I, there's supposed to be a Ninja Turtles announcement, but I didn't see it. Oh, they're uh, the Ninja Turtles. You see the new action figures? The Super Shredder? Uh, no, it's they're uh, combining with. WWE icons. Uh, that's the big announcement. <laughs> so the only one I saw. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. I wasn't buying them before, so although <laughs> I did get a the exclusive, uh, you know that how NECA did those little mm -hmm. like original comic book figures. They finally did the Shredder one. Oh, nice! And it comes with an Elite Guard and I think two Foot Soldiers, and it was like a hundred bucks. And I was like, I've waited too long. I got to do it. You have to. <laughs> and. uh I'm glad I did because they were sold out like, nice. in days. So, Oh, yeah, of course. The Ninja Turtle stuff's hot. Yeah. It's so hot right now. So, but the, yeah, they, now they should do their own Super Shredder. That'd be sweet. I, was up, I know he's stupid in the movie, but <laughs> it doesn't make but, sense. Uh, but, but I still think the idea is cool. Yeah, and the, the character design was sweet. Yeah. So, I always wanted the. Uh, they never did uh, like the Ninja Turtles 2 Shredder action. Well, they didn't do one or two, but like a movie style action figure. Mm -hmm. How, you know, they did. The first Ninja Turtle Shredder, I think, would be sweet because I think he looks cool in the first movie. Yeah, got that uh, red costume with the and I like the mesh kind of over yeah. his mouth. You know, I don't know, like, I don't know. I always like that because you can see him talking. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a cool uh, design choice. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they cut those holes just because, like, 
like a Sam Raimi and Spider-Man one, like it, it would just look like mm-hmm. action figures talking to each other. Well, yeah, because even it, it. in Sam Raimi one, he talked. Uh, Spider-Man one, Sam Raimi talked about when he made Spider-Man two. They actually added pieces to Spider-Man's mask, so when he talked, the mask would move instead of just sitting there. Because even though you know he'd be talking, his mouth, his mask wouldn't move, so it just looked like he's nodding his head. Constantly. Yeah, just nodding his head. Um, yeah. So we also watch movies throughout the week, guys. This is stuff we've watched. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Zach, what'd you watch this week? Sam Raimi 1, directed by Spider-Man. Nice. <laughs> Suck up. <laughs> um, what did I watch this week? Um, so I, uh, Brad and I went around town to uh, watch Masterminds last week. And I picked up the Fog Collector's Edition on uh, Screen Factory Blu-ray. Nice. Then I watched it again. Um, it's not my favorite Carpenter film, but still pretty solid uh, shot film. Yeah. Uh, especially Dean Cundey's work on the film. Yeah, it's it's just goofy. Like it, It's a ghost story. It's a ghost story, but like the end is kind of lame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not, I'm not talking about the part where they're like chopping people up, but how they kind of just go away. Yeah, they, they just kind of disappear. Yeah. Um, but the new transfer is amazing, and I'm glad that Dean Cundey uh, decided yeah. to approve the uh, uh, transfer of it. Um, I also got the Shadow Collector's Edition. Dude, you're way factory. too excited for that shitty movie. <laughs> way too excited. I had to own it because I was just like, well, it's. The, I mainly bought it for the new interview with Alec Baldwin. And Alec he looked. Bowing. He looks so frustrated to be there. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? Levin. <laughs> um, uh, I also saw the Neon Demon. So back up. Oh, so sorry. Why do you like the shadow? I, I, pulpy, nonsensical. Um, it's based off of a radio show. So. Yeah, no, I know all that stuff. I mean, why do you like the <laughs> shitty <laughs> movie? You're not. You're not selling me on you liking this movie. I, I, I don't have to explain myself. On you this do. One. <laughs> you do have to explain yourself. Um. You know, I don't know. I I kind of dig it. It's got some '90s cheese to it. It's got some stuff that I I get that not everybody gravitates to, but I enjoy it. The one thing though that I cannot stand in that movie got pointed out to me finally, and I finally understand now what what makes or breaks that movie for me. Is at one point they're playing Kenny G jazz. Oh, I thought it'd just be really shitty ADR, but no, yeah. no, not even the shitty ADR. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my joke from Magnificent Seven. <laughs> Um, Let's go here. <laughs> Get this gold inside, buddy. Yeah. I want to take footage from the Magnificent Seven, because I haven't seen it yet, but I want to take footage from it and just have you redub it. Uh, I don't have to. It's in there. I'm Chris Pratt. I'm mm-hmm. going to drink this whole bottle of vodka. That's what we should do with some commentaries is like redub movies totally. for ourselves. <laughs> oh my God, it's Spider-Man. <laughs> just be like a What's Up, Tiger Lily kind of movie. Yeah. Sasha Angry Duffy. Get busy living, get busy dead. <laughs> I'm going to go out in the rain and hold my hands up. <laughs> I'm going to chew taste, get your pen and your beer beer. <laughs> Cold rain feels good against my skin, guy. <laughs> Anyways, Neon Demon. <laughs> I saw the Neon Demon and not this ADR miracle that we're trying to concoct here. Um, so it took me a couple of days to figure out how I felt about the Neon Demon. Told you. <laughs> What I've come to the conclusion is, is that while it's got some problems, um, there are no bigger problems than I see in every independent movie that I've seen, um, or 
I guess. We got that. Hey, we're independent. <laughs> <laughs> we got to make, <laughs> make this quirky and weird. <laughs> I'm real fanning. <laughs> I'm so pretty, you guys. <laughs> look how hot I look with my red lips and everybody wants to be me. <laughs> we're going to push you in this pool. <laughs> no! <laughs> Don't touch me, gentlemen. <laughs> And that's what I thought of the Neon Demon. <laughs> no, I still haven't um, seen it. I'm waiting for someone to let me borrow it. Um, well, uh, I, I'm glad I got to see it in the theater because it, it is a beautifully shot film. There's no question mm-hmm. about so that. So is only God forgives. But there's substance to this film. There is substance. I feel like I saw a film that was ultimately about the price of fame. But it's muddled with its cinematography a little too much for my taste. And there's a lot of strobe lights, which give me a headache. <laughs> but overall, I'd watch it again. And that's the best that I can say for the movie. Um, is that I would totally sit down and watch it again and try to dissect what other people are calling genius, you know? But and that's pretty much the review that I gave on uh, the, the uh, Facebook page. So, um, And then the last thing that I saw this week... <sighs> can't believe I did this, but I sat down and watched Jason Goes to Hell. Mm, on, um, I can't believe you did it either. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Suck up. <laughs> no, no. No, because, well, and I need to borrow the collection from you. Sure. To watch the good ones. This is how Jason will only die. <laughs> <laughs> I only die by getting stabbed by a knife held by a Voorhees woman. Or is it a Voorhees family member? I don't know. Just change it when this movie goes along. It's a <laughs> dumb movie. Now, I'm not even talking, and that's by, and you know how I feel about Jason movies in general. Yeah. It's a dumb movie oh, no. by Jason standards. The, the opening's cool because it's different, and then it just. Oh, gosh, the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the introduction of Creighton Duke. I, I think his line where he's, when, she, when the guy asks him, what do you think of when you think of Jason Voorhees? What do I think of? I think of a little girl in a dress. <laughs> like, it's just so weird. You're like, what the fuck is this dude talking about? <laughs> Uh, but the funny thing about that movie is, is the writer of that movie went on to write Arrested Development and things like that. So oh yeah, so you never know where you're Dean Morey. So you never know where you're going to end up. Um, yeah. yeah, no, the movie's a mess. Mm-hmm. It, it's it got like stacked on its own weight, and then they had that scene where they're in the jail and he's trying to over-explain why Jason's jumping bodies. And um, I always had a problem with the director of that because the director and writer, Adam Marcus, he tried to tell, basically he was telling you that Friday the 13th fans are stupid and I know better than they do and they don't want to see another movie where Jason's chasing people through the woods and killing them. That's all people want. (laughs) I'm not, not, you should, uh, well, you've read Crystal Lake Memories. Yeah. He's an asshole. He talks about how his movie's misunderstood and that it's a good Friday movie, and he just want to do something different, and no one appreciates it. No, you're it's a piece of shit, dude. He's got his head stuck up his ass. Yeah, and yeah. you know how I, I'll never for, I'll never forget this as long. This is my favorite story to tell about Adam Marcus. So he made that abomination. Um, Jason goes to hell, and then we went and saw Texas Chainsaw 3D. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the thing. I'm like, this doesn't. This is kind of dorky at the beginning, written by Adam Marcus. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and of course, that movie doesn't make sense either, because they said it takes place during or uh, right after the first Chainsaw, so that'd be 1974. But it, but, yeah, but they have cell phones. They have like. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. So 
here's the thing. So it takes place in 74. So that'd be 40 years, I think, when that came out. Mm -hmm. And they have uh, that one super hot chick from Percy Jackson is like the baby they find. So she's 40. And so that'd make Leatherface like 75 years old. Hey, for a 75-year-old, he ain't bad looking. No, and Alexandria Dodorio is... He just keeps replacing his own face to look younger. Hey, guys, I've got a face. Man, I I hope I look like Alexandria Dodorio when I'm 40. (laughs) Golly. All smoking hot. Well, wait, if that happened to you, I'd start to get worried. (laughs) They had her cryogenically frozen as a baby in a movie they haven't made yet, so... I didn't get that part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You have to to pay for the ultimate cut. Uh, Did you see... Which did you watch the unrated cut of Jason Goes to Hell? Uh, I watched whatever cut was available on Amazon Instant. Ooh, it's probably the unrated. Uh, the only bummer is the Blu-ray is the rated cut, which it it takes a lot of the violence out of it. Which uh-huh. I don't know if it can really help it, but they didn't give you both on that set. No, it's not weird. I yeah. have it. I have it digitally. The digital version is the unrated one. Mm-hmm. So e- even though it says it's a complete collection, it's really not. That sucks. Yeah. You should get them all. Yeah, I agree. Yep, that's all I watched this week. Brad? Okay. Oh, no, he's got a list. Oh, I always do. That's why I always tweet what I watch, because I'd forget. Yeah, I forget to tweet, so I have to write them down on my little phone notepad. Um, I watched Awakenings with uh, Robert De Niro and Robin Williams. Mm, I haven't um, seen that in a long time. Yeah, neither have I. That's why I watched it. Um, I don't it, remember being very good. I, I, I'd say, I mean, it's not groundbreaking but I, I thought it was it's it's for its time it's good mm. and it's based on a true story um where um robin williams plays this they changed his name the real person it's based on is dr oliver Sacks, who was working with um people who had encep- encephalitis oh yeah, I think yeah, so. yeah 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 you're right anyway they, they they basically were people that were alive but they just like look like stone they didn't mm-hmm move but like if you throw a tennis ball at them they catch it um they can figure out like what this was about and this is i think this takes place in the 50s or the 60s i think it was the 60s i I think yeah 60s i don't remember it i've seen it i don't remember a single thing about it though uh yeah so robin williams uh he's looking for a job he gets hired on he's on he's not qualified but the hospital hires him on to work with these patients and uh he's a kind of a loner um he's really into botany and stuff um, and so he, he eventually stumbles onto this drug that they're using for Parkinson's patients. And just arbitrarily, he's like, let's just use it on these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might work. Um, and it works on uh, Robert De Niro's character. Um, you know, he, uh, Williams gives him like a super dose of it. Like they start on small doses, and all of a sudden he's just like, he can't wait anymore. So he like overdoses. And then um, uh, Robert De Niro comes out of it, and he slowly comes back to behaving like a regular person. Um, and then it, this whole story is basically a variation of the Flowers for Algernon story, where instead of like being super smart and then everything going, like regressing back to his original state, um, in this movie, uh, you know, they get the use of their cognitive abilities and uh, physical abilities again. No, but that's right. um, eventually the effects wear off and then Robert Nero you know, regresses back into the state he was before. And it's frustrating because, like, all the other patients who also got the treatment have to watch him regress, and they know it's going to happen to them too. And everyone's really upset that, you know, you gave him hope. 
<laughs> and now it's going to disappear from them. And so it's like it's really mean to like tease people like that because um, so yeah, he shouldn't have he should he should have done more tests and stuff before like subjecting you know the whole ward to this. Uh, so that's kind of his downfall. Um, but uh, in the epilogue, they describe like you know, they kept pursuing the treatment and, and throughout the years they would give them new treatments and they would come back for a little while and then regress again, um, you know, for like 20, 30 years. And I uh, did some research and he actually, the Oliver Sacks actually died last year. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but then there's like a lot of uh, background people that I'd forgotten, like Peter Stormare is some professor <laughs> in the background. Yeah, <laughs> like a young Peter Stormare. <laughs> Um, Max von Sydow's in there as really? some uh, like other doctor. I watched a movie with Max von Sydow yeah. this week, too. and he's still super old looking. <laughs> and this is from <laughs> I think '90s. He's always looked old. Yeah, the guy you ever looked young. Julie Kavner's in it, the voice of Marge Simpson. She's like the nurse who's like a uh, Robin Williams' right hand hmm. assistant. So, yeah, a nice little film. Uh, it's directed by Penny Marshall. Um, it's just like a nice mid '90s. I watched a Penny Marshall movie. film this week too. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Actually, speaking of that, you know what's weird about last week is I watched Zootopia and London Has Fallen, and then I was going back to the old episodes. <laughs> I didn't plan on it, but those were the two those yeah. two movies you guys did in the same week without yeah. me. That's so, right. Episode called Zootopia Has Fallen. Yeah, mm-hmm. like what a weird coincidence that just I'm just browsing Netflix. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch this movie, and then oh, I'm gonna watch this movie, and it was I just did that week without hmm. even thinking. She just interjected into a new version of that episode, yeah. <laughs> like George Lucas it re-edited it. <laughs> Episode 271.5, Brad's opinion of those two movies. <laughs> um, I also pulled up American, uh, American, ex- wow, American Splendor off the shelf. Mm. Um, that's the biopic of Harvey, Harvey Picard, who is a comics writer. Um, Andy Amati's really good in that. Yeah, he's mm. great in it. And uh, the movie, you know, covers his life, but it, it's really cool how the directors portrayed it. Like, um, Obviously, they'd have the cliche like comic book panels fade in and fade out of like, you yeah. Know. Um, but they also actually had Harvey Picard and the real people in the movie. That's right. So like transition from a scene, and then like Paul Giamatti would walk off off the side of the scene, and then it would be like they would transition to the set where you know the, like the the catering is, and then like the real Harvey Picard standing there with his buddy, um, and they're giving commentary on the story and stuff, and uh, so it's really cool to have them actually, you know, like the dramatization and the real uh, together in, like, yeah. in the same shots and stuff. And it's really clever um, and really uh, fascinating. Like, just one cool part where um, uh, he gets invited to uh, uh, whatever David Letterman show was in the It wasn't the late show. It was the one before well, the, the late, Tonight late Show. show? Whatever. Yeah, it, might, it might have just been the David Letterman show at that time. But uh, so Paul Giamatti's in the, in the green room and then he walks out the door, and then like his wife turns and like turns on the TV in the green room and watches instead of like Giamatti walking on the set. It's like the original footage with the real Letterman and Picard arguing, um, and then that scene ends, and then P- Giamatti walks back in the green room to like finish the scene. So yeah, cool stuff like that. Yeah, another movie I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Um, and he died in 2010 of a depressant overdose. Yep. <laughs> so. Um, and I also uh, rewatched uh, the Comic Con, uh, a new uh, uh, a fans so hope four, yeah. episode four, a fans hope, um, and uh, that was cool to revisit. Uh, 
the best part is the the Blu-ray has extended interviews with all the like uh, interviews they had in the movie. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a longer set of Stan Lee and Kevin Smith, um, Joss Whedon, Kenneth Branagh, um, Felicia Day. So mm-hmm. like the little snippets that are in the movie, they have like long five ten minute takes oh, cool. on the Blu-ray that you can watch individually. Um, I watched Live Free or Die Hard again, nice. and that's a lot of fun. Uh, still, I like. It's like up there with the first Die Hard for me, and uh, I, was, I was out of bullets. <laughs> I was listening to the commentary with Len Wiseman and Bruce Willis, and I think one of the producers, and uh, they revealed that Bruce Willis has his own blood kit, so he he does his own blood makeup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All um, right. So, and they were commenting because like Len Wiseman in the commentary willfully points out all the mistakes that he made. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, in this shot, you know, uh, the scars on his face aren't in the correct spot because they shot it out of sequence. Um, so, um, and at one point, like early on in the movie, yeah, you see Bruce Willis like holding his elbow is because they planned that he was like going to injure his arm. But then like later on in the movie, they didn't get around to that. So <laughs> it just disappears and things. You know, it's funny is you say that. I remember... Uh, Len Wiseman's like that on his underworld commentaries too. He's a he's a pretty like funny guy and pretty easygoing and yeah, that doesn't take his own stuff too seriously. Yeah. Even I think uh, he didn't want to do the helicopter like the car driving the helicopter, or he did want to, and the rest of the crew was like, no, don't do that for that sequence. Hmm. Um, yeah, um, and then uh, oh yeah, they also uh, so like halfway through the movie, there's like another government guy who shows up. And it's Tim Russ from uh, Star Trek Voyager. He played Tuvok. And uh, in the commentary, they, like, called him... Yeah, they, they, they didn't remember his name. And they also called him a Klingon from Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, like, oh, he was Tuvok. He's a Vulcan. <laughs> so they obviously didn't pay much attention to him on set. <laughs> um, I also watched Paycheck. Oh, the Ben Affleck <laughs> the movie? The Ben Affleck John Woo movie. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, like, I, from I, 2002, so... As Kevin Smith has said, that the title of that movie is very appropriate. Yeah. Um, yeah, so was, there's like a the estate of Philip K. Dick was like pouring out his, his movie catalog because Minority Report came out yeah. like around then and uh, a Scanner Darkly. And, oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this one, I, it, it was really cheesy, especially in the beginning. Um, it, I think it's a really cool idea of uh, Ben Affleck, this guy who like, steals industry secrets on technology and then the company that he steals them for and like builds a better version of it they wipe his memory and then they pay him so like he has plausible deniability um and then the company can claim that they made it um so uh the first thing he steals is like he goes to this um tech convention he sees like this monitor that's like 3d um like early 3d like we have now but back in 2002 it was just like a computer monitor with like a girl kind of half hanging out of it and then uh he does the presentation and he's showing them like he's got two monitors set up on the table and they're playing the same image and he's like yeah i saw their their thing and it was really cool but um i didn't really like the look of the monitor so i decided what if it didn't have a monitor at all and he pulls the the monitor away and it's like a full hologram floating there and everyone's all <laughs> super impressed i'm like that's kind of a cool presentation <laughs> um but uh yeah, so he gets hired for this other company, and uh, you don't know what they're going to make, but he agrees to it because it's like a huge payday, and it's going to take him three years to be uh, involved in it, and then he's going to get his mind wiped again, which for a guy who knows a lot about 
technology, futuristic technology, you think he would devise a way to, um, in case that they wiped his memory and double-crossed him, that you know, in the three years that he's worked on the project, he'd have an antidote that would prevent that. But no, he just sends himself an envelope full of like little clues, because uh, the technology he's building is actually a way to see into the future. I don't remember. I've seen it. I don't remember anything you're saying. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. Like <laughs> the movie te- like shows you, like, yeah, you're gonna do this research and development for three years, mm-hmm. and then he does it, and he uh, uh, they give him the the. They erase his memory. He goes to collect his money for the thing. There's no money there, and he's got a bunch of shit that he didn't drop off. And he's wondering like, whose stuff is this, and why don't I have it? <laughs> Where did my stock options go? And he gets all pissed <laughs> off, and you find out that yeah, he was building this machine that is able to look into the future. And they find out when you look into the future, uh, people get scared, and they do all this preventative stuff to stop stuff from happening in the future, like oppressing entire nationalities and races, and then it results in nuclear war and stuff. And he's you know, he's like, I can't have that happen, so I must destroy the machine I created, and then heal. You know, you think mm-hmm. he would just stop them in the three-year cycle, but he allows himself to have to do this whole mystery backtracking thing with these little clues that he sends himself, and it, a lot of them are really convenient. Like, how do you get to this, to this? I know you saw the future, but the person you're going to be isn't going to remember those details. So, like, when you're driving on a motorcycle throw a bunch of these side roads to get this other thing that's going to give you the next clue. It's like, what if you took a left here? Mm. Like, would you, yeah, I don't know. It's a fast food version of Philip K. Dick. Yeah, it's, and it's like, at the end, even the doves come through the, um, <laughs> of course they do. It's a John Woo movie. Doves fly through the door. Um, and Uma Thurman and Aaron Eckhart in it. And, uh, yeah, so, that's what I watched. Uh, I, uh, I watched uh, Sully this week by myself in a movie theater. What did you think of my movie? Oh God! Actually, that actually was terrible. Was, <laughs> I actually thought it was a pretty good movie. I, I thought it was an interesting take on someone who everyone else is portraying as a hero, but behind the scenes he was uh, being questioned on uh, what he did. I thought it was really interesting. I think Tom Hanks is great in it. Uh, I also think uh, Aaron Eckhart was really good in it. Um, I, you know, the, maybe the one part of the movie I didn't like was his phone calls with his wife. Um, not that they were bad; they just seemed like, you know, we just got to give some, you know, heart to the story. But I, I thought the movie was pretty good, and I thought that the depiction of if he made one mistake, you know, you didn't, first you didn't understand why the planes were crashing into the buildings, mm-hmm. and then you realize that the scenarios, if he didn't land it in the Hudson, that, you know, it, it, it could end really poorly, and that's what was haunting him. And I thought, was, I, I thought the movie was pretty good. I thought it moved pretty fast. Um, Those crappy investigators were hiding things, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't have an issue with it. I thought it was... I mean, I don't think it's one of the best movies of the year, but I think it was pretty good. And I, you know... I haven't seen it, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tom Hanks is great in it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He's amazing in it. I don't deny that he had a good performance in the movie. I just felt that... What I, I, I'll just sum it up with what I said last time. What I wanted to love about that character and that story wasn't present for me, mm. but that's just, uh, again, it's the subjective. Yeah, thing, you know, because, uh, you, know, you know, back to that, uh, you know, James had a problem with how it was edited. I didn't even mind it. No, the editing. I, I, th- I thought it was pretty interesting. The so. editing's not terrible. Like, it's, I mean, it, it would, I wouldn't, would I want it to spend more time in that uh, crash, or would I want it to be cut down a little bit? 
Not really, because then you have to understand the process. Like, that's how you make this story exciting. Yeah. And I, like I said, I thought they did a good job presenting that. Um, I watched uh, the Michael Fassbender Macbeth, um, which I actually thought was really good. Uh, I thought it was shot really well. I thought he was really great in it. I think my, I, I'll pretty much watch anything Michael Fassbender's in. Um, I thought it was really good. Because um, you, you don't get movies like that too often anymore. I mean, besides the Shakespeare part, but, you know, kind of epic middle-age war movies. You really don't get it very much anymore. Who directed this version? Ah. Uh, not not Some Brana, French obviously. dude, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, no, I thought, I thought it was really good. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I have to rehash the Macbeth story. It's well-known. But, it, it, I, like I said, it's shot really well. I think they, they do cut out a lot of um, the Shakespeare dialogue. Um, so they didn't go full... Like accurate, um, what like they, Hamlet. No, because it's it's only it's less than two hours long, or maybe right at two hours. And um, I mean, they made interesting choices for the chorus. Is um, these people that kind of haunt Macbeth, and ha- so throughout it, you know, he's um, seeing them as they're talking to him about what's going on. Um, but there, there's some really great scenes in it, and it's like it's, it's shot. One, it's it's a beautiful movie. Um, so yeah, if you want to see a Shakespeare movie that's kind of different and a little more gritty and hardcore, just definitely check, check out Macbeth. Um, one of my favorite movies when I was growing up is, um, I don't know if you guys ever saw Strange Brew with Rick Moranis and <laughs> <laughs> Dave Thomas. It's just such a dorky movie. I don't remember how like dorky the movie was until I started watching it. I forgot that it opened with, uh, you know, it comes out and <laughs> they sit down yeah, so, uh, you know, if you want to get out of a movie, eh, uh, just go into the movie and uh, get a bunch of moths, and if the movie sucks, just open up the jar of moths, and they'll fly to the, uh, to the projection room, right? And then they'll cover up the, the, the movie screen, and then you'll go and you'll get your money back. And you're used to seeing us on TV, but we're in a movie now. Uh, this is the difference between being on a movie and a TV. This is TV. So it cuts to them of a shot in a TV, and then it cuts back to it, like, being, like, in a movie. It's so dumb. And they say, A all the time, and take off, you hoser. Um, the movie's really funny. It's, it's like, good, clean, um, like, comedy. There's no, I think they say shit in it once. Um, it's just silly, goofy Canadian humor. You yeah, haven't seen it since high school. Yeah. I barely it, remember what's going on. I mean, they, it really is just them drinking beer the whole time. Aren't they, like... Trying to stop some beer takeover or something? Yeah, it's really, like, the one story's weird. It's like the uh, the brewmaster in the brewery is putting a drug into the beer to make it everybody want it, and he'll play a certain, like, music, and so they'll do what he asks them to do, and they murdered the original, like, owner, and the owner comes back as a ghost in a video game. It's really dumb, but... <laughs> You just got to watch it for these uh, Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis because they're they're pretty great. Didn't now that I think of it, Strange Brew is the perfect way to describe uh, uh, Kevin Smith's recent oeuvre. Yeah, it's it's it, it's it's super harmless. It really is. It's just a goofy movie. And but watching it just took me back to being a kid, and you know, laughing at the dog that they give beer to, and it flies like Superman to Oktoberfest. And you think it's this big setup, but the dog looks like a skunk, and all it does is scare people to not drink the beer. But he literally has a cape on, and it's flying through the sky <laughs> to get there. It's so dumb. 
but it made me laugh, and that's all that matters. And uh, the last thing I watched is, uh, so I've been doing this thing, I call it Ryan's Vault. I literally just grab movies that maybe I've seen, but I haven't watched on Blu-ray. And uh, I watched uh, Big, and I haven't seen Big in forever. And watching it, I just again, another childhood favorite. I just, um, watching it again is just so much fun. When you're a kid, you just love, you know, like the shimmy, shimmy, Cocoa Pop, shimmy, shimmy, rock. But as an adult, you just love um, Tom Hanks' performance in that is amazing. <clears throat> he just for to capture being scared and being a kid and not knowing what to do I think is just a testament to how great of an actor he is and I still laugh when he eats the little mini corns at the, uh, <laughs> at the party it's sad that uh, F.A.O. Schwartz isn't around anymore yeah so you can't go into that story and do the piano thing because they had that piano out for people to you know be like the movie for years and now uh Rent is releases are so expensive in New York. They're like, no, we're out. Yep. But no, the movie's great. Um, I don't think I've explained it. It's a kid who wishes he's an adult, and then he becomes like a vice president of a <laughs> toy company in one week. Because he has a child's mind, and yep. who, who can design toys better than exactly? A child? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> What's fun about turning into a a building? And he's right. <laughs> yeah, that movie has little funny little moments in it too. That uh, like his little friend's pretty funny. I I can't remember all his little goofy lines, but yeah, his friend's fun. Anyways, this week on Rollers Podcast, we went and saw the girl on the train. Brad, should people see the girl on the train? I, I think you could rent this one. I was I was bored most of the time. Um, wasn't into it. Nope. Zach. If you want Diet Gone Girl, this is your opportunity. But no, I don't think people should see this movie. Oh, man, I'm on my own on this one. I actually thought it was really cool. Um, what I really liked about it is you're getting told a story through unreliable people, and I thought that was an interesting premise throughout the film. And I, I think all the performers in it were great. I, I thought the performances were good. I just didn't like the, oh, as yeah. a whole. I just wasn't like... I, there's a spoilery thing, and I'll explain it when we get there. Cool, here's a trailer. I used to watch this perfect couple. They were the embodiment of true love. I want to start my life over again. I saw her. I saw her from the train. She was, she was with this man. Just for a second. Is this her? To a woman so Can you tell me where you were Friday night? I was in the city, and then I went to visit my husband. You mean your ex-husband? It's my understanding that the woman who has gone missing was his nanny. Hey, Tom. Hey, Megan. Rachel, why are you here? Because I'm helping find Megan. I don't think you're helping anybody. I saw your wife with someone. Megan has a therapist. Is that what you saw? What happened that night in the tunnel? Tell me.
Tell me the truth. I read once that when a train hits, it can rip the clothes right off of you. How could you be so You were seen in the area that night. How could you be so Did you murder Megan Hipwell? No. Tell me what happened that night. How could you be so Why are you here? Because I'm afraid of myself. And I want to be clear, Emily Blunt is great in the movie. She's great in everything. I yeah, love that woman. But that was a given from the get-go. The moment I walked into the theater, I was like, she's going to be good. I yeah. can already tell. Uh, the story is, is uh, Emily Blunt plays this girl named Rachel who takes a train home every day, and she's watching these what she thinks is a perfect couple. And this other couple with a baby, and you find out that the one couple is actually her ex-husband and his new wife. And um, and she admits to having an overactive imagination. Yeah, and that's and, and she's an alcoholic. So right away, you're getting an unreliable storyteller. And not only her part of the story, but also Megan, who is the wife of the supposed perfect couple. Um, she, her story is, she's telling you a story too, but her she leaves out a lot of what happens in her life. And it kind of just unfolds. As the as the mystery of what really happens to her unfolds, yeah. and the whole story of who done it is because uh, she gets murdered. Well, uh, well she she's missing. Yeah, <laughs> we're in spoiler territory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, initially she's just missing, and then I mean, were you sitting there go, going the whole time thinking like, yeah, she might come back? Like, I, yeah, no, I I felt like yeah, she's dead. Uh, we're just uh, waiting to get there. Everything mm-hmm. was telegraphed to to tell me oh she's dead. Yeah, and the part the spoiler part I was going to say is like, you know, once. She's in that one scene with the the husband, mm-hmm. or the missing girl's husband, and uh, I think is that the scene? Is whatever scene that uh, you find out that uh, um, Megan was pregnant, and it's neither yeah. his baby or uh, the psychiatrist's baby. So I'm like, oh, oh well, it must be went... Justin Thoreau Thro- because it's the mm-hmm. only other main character that could, could have done anything. Because the husband came to visit Emily Blunt at her apart at his apartment or at her apartment. Right. Yeah. And that's where he reveals they have a baby. Oh, yeah. He says it. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. says it. It's not mine and it's not his. I was like, oh, well, it's Justin's throw. So I'm just waiting to get to that part. Yeah. I thought the movie, I mean, I really actually liked the movie. I, I'm always, um, like I said, because I really appreciated people telling me a story that I couldn't believe anybody's story. Uh, it, it had to be played out. Even, uh, I thought it, the film did a pretty good job with a couple red herrings. Um, yeah, that was a frustrating part for me, though. Is it's like I know this is a red herring. Like it's just, it's just throwing me off on purpose. Yeah, but I, it, like I appreciated the. I mean, the one dude who was following her, I knew was just like probably some guy who was just you know getting off the train. Yeah. Um, but I, I liked for a while there. I started thinking that it was actually um, Anna, his new wife. Right. I thought that one because way too, yeah. she was jealous of like she was setting uh, or setting Rachel, Rachel up. up. Yeah. yeah. Because. Uh, you know, and it did. It, it takes a weird, a, a different turn where you think that she's an alcoholic, but it turns out she's an alcoholic because her husband is really abusive towards her. Yeah, I did think that was cool. Yeah, because yeah. they show you early on, like it, the the narrative 
plays back is like uh, Rachel is like throwing shit around and mm-hmm. ca- causing a scene, but she's just misremembering it. It's, exactly. it's a well calculated plot, and it's a good idea. It's one of the best ideas the movie has. For well, that's me. what I mean because even though it, you know the the husband is the killer is not anything new, but having the husband as a manipulator and an abusive person, I think is really interesting. Um, but it's just so frustrating, like. Like everyone knows he's a murderer now, and like no, like none of the girls really fight back until well, I, the very, very well, I think last that's, part. I think that's part of, um, and I mean, I could be wrong. My wife would probably know better, but I, I think it's because he has so much power over them because he's right. so abusive. Because even Megan, you think when she's in therapy, she's talking about her husband, but she's actually talking about um, Justin Theroux's character, how he's you know controlling. And always telling her what to do, um, and I think that's uh, so. He is—he's a manipulator. He's a horrible person, and I think it came across really well because at the time you just think he's wants to be left alone and you know get on with his life. But they give you little um, you know tidbits about how he um, was <laughs> sleeping around with his realtor and just mean to Emily Blunt and. And just she's just a damaged person, and it all came crashing down on him. I, I don't know. I thought the movie was really interesting, and I thought really well made. Yeah. And, and I, you know, after reading reviews of it, I, I can see why some people wouldn't like it. Um, I think it's a very uh, different kind of film, and I can see what it's going to be. You know, I think it's like at fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and that makes sense to me. Yeah. I think you're either going to like it or you're not going to like it because. It either works for you or don't. And it's hard because you don't... None of the characters are really likable in it. Yeah. You know, because they're all... They all have their flaws. I mean, you eventually like, I think, Rachel because you realize, one, she has a problem with her alcoholism, and two, she's also been abused. So the root of everything that she, happened to her is through abusive relationship. Yeah, and she does it, you know, have a little bit of, like, an arc where she can... Like, she overcomes mm-hmm. her situation. Yeah. A um, scene where she's playing pool and she's feeling confident about herself... Like, that was my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, m- mine was actually her scene with the psychiatrist. Um, Which one? The first or the, the The first one where she's explaining everything to him, mm-hmm. where she's talking about her blackouts. And uh, I forget her line, but she says something. Um, she's scared of who she is or something like that. Um, I'm afraid of what I might... Uh, I'm, I'm afraid, afraid of, of what, I, what, I, what people tell me I do. Yeah, I, I think that's really fascinating. She's so good. She's such a wonderful actress. Like, I love everything she's in. Um. Yeah, I just and uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting too because I also like that. Um, you know, you always think like the psychiatrist is like the bad guy, and he really wasn't. He was actually the one good guy who wouldn't <laughs> let it go to the next step, and he was trying to help Megan. And um, and her her death scene was like pretty fucking brutal too. I was like, holy oh, shit. God, who was Smashing her head against a rock, and yeah, and then, then grabbing she, that other rock, and, and she wakes up in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, yeah, I really like the movie. Um, I mean, I think, I think Gone Girl. I don't think the comparisons are actually pretty accurate. I think they're two different things, but I think Gone it's Girl similar vibe, but the similar story vibe. is different. Cause yeah, I think Gone Girl is um, does benefit from David Fincher. Um, where I, I think I mean I think Tate Taylor is a good director, but uh, again I always have. What else pro- has he done? Yeah. Uh, he did the Help, and uh, I haven't seen that. But I, 
you know, I know they're trying to show that Emily Blunt's character is drunk, but I don't like that slow motion kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, the slow motion in this movie was like 90s slow motion. Yeah. Where it's like, like missing frames. Yeah, which I was like, meh. I don't like that uh, vibe too much. Yeah. but It's like the flashbacks from The Fugitive. <laughs> but it, it still works, and I, I think it's an interesting premise of, you know, what you see is not always what's going on. And, you know, you got to be careful. Uh, speaking of Ben Affleck, next week our movie of the week is The Accountant. A lot of Ben Affleck in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> ben Affleck. I put a spell on this episode. <laughs> uh, like Ben Affleck, I guess. Oh, I guess I forgot to mention in uh, news is everyone's saying that the name of the new movie was The Batman, and then Ben Affleck said, there's no name for it yet. I'm still writing it. Yeah, so. some offhanded comment he made in an interview. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm working on The Batman. Oh, so it must be called The Batman, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and he came out and says, nope. I'm still working on it. Not even done writing it. Not done writing. Because he even said he's not going to shoot it till he has a script right, which is a big departure from comic book movies. So Yeah. Plus, he has, like, Live by Night awards he's in the focus on. So. I'm guessing he's going to start shooting it, like, in the spring or something. Yeah. I, still, I think they should call it Arkham Asylum. I think that'd be sweet. I don't think it's going to be all about Arkham. Like, I think it's probably just part of the movie. I still like to see him. Otherwise, he's just writing the video game. So... <laughs> Video games awesome. I mean, that'd be great, but they usually don't just flat out copy yeah, the comics. Media. Yeah. Or yeah. So they anyway. should just what they should do is they should um, adapt Perchance a Dream from uh, the animated series. <laughs> Bring the Mad Hatter into it. Yeah, and he he solves it because he's like, wait a minute, I can't read. They're bringing the Mad Hatter into, into Gotham. Are they three? Yeah. He's an interesting character. Apparently, uh, Gordon was gonna kill him. I don't know. I, I've only seen the previews. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, The Accountant next yep. week. Next week, The Accountant. Yeah. See you next week. Bye. Bye. I love them as well. Real Nerds is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. We would also like to thank Sparks Mandrill for our music. Additional music from Ben Sounds. Thank you to Alamo Drafthouse. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. And thank you for listening to the Real Nerds Podcast.